We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight we're looking at the Space 1999 Series 2 episode, Devil's Planet. 2,306 days after leaving Earth's orbit, Alpha discovers two planets in their eastern quadrant. An eagle is dispatched to investigate. On board, John Koenig and medical technician Dispensable. They discover an amazing Earth-like planet with high-tech cities, but instead of investigating a big-budget alien city, they investigate a low-budget box in the countryside. Around the box, lots of dead bodies. The box is a teleport, and out steps a man, who promptly keels over and dies. Koenig radios back to the B-string team at Moonbase Alpha, who hypothesize that there's something deadly in the air, something that humans are immune to. They leave immediately and learn that the cities, too, are dead. Everyone on the planet is dead. As they leave, they notice the planet's moon has a breathable atmosphere, too, and life signs, so they go to investigate and promptly crash. They come upon a hunt where a man is being chased by cat-suited space babes with whips. The space babes kill the man. Also, medical technician Dispensable hits an electronic barrier and is reduced to burnt clothing. Koenig is captured. The planet is a prison, and all the prison staff are space babes, most of whom have whips. The prisoners are political. No one but the warden, Elysia, and her chief security officer, Saris, know that life on their planet is extinguished. Prisoners continue to serve out their sentences and, when released, are teleported to the planet, where they drop dead almost immediately. No one is the wiser. Now, Koenig threatens to upset the apple cart. He knows the truth, but... Since no one believes him, I guess that's not a problem. A rescue eagle arrives, but they're tricked into believing Koenig and Dispensable are both dead. They leave. Koenig tries to escape, but that goes mostly nowhere. But he does retrieve an emergency homing beacon from the wrecked eagle. It cannot transmit through the prison's force field, but he has an idea. He surrenders and is returned to the prison. He maneuvers himself into the teleport. Elysia threatens to blow it up, but her staff ignorant of the death that awaits them at the other end, don't want to lose their chance to go home. Koenig forces her hand and teleports himself down. If she refuses to follow, everyone will know that the plague is true. The only way she can prove herself is to teleport down and return. Rather than be killed by her staff, she teleports down with an eye on killing Koenig as revenge. She doesn't last long enough. The rescue eagle picked up the homing signal and has returned to rescue John Koenig. They return to their rock in space, leaving behind a high-tech, uninhabited, Earth-like planet that is not harmful to humans. The end. Okay, Devil's Planet. You may have first shot at it. Stupid! <laughs> well, I think we've put the flag right in the ground there. Um... It's not very good, is it? Um, oh, my God. Well, first you've got the, the prison planet of dominatrixes. Uh, that is that is so... We might as well just start with that. That is so ridiculous. It's beyond the pale in just absurdity. All the prisoners are men. Yeah. There's, there was not one female 
prisoner. You've got all these female guards. And they weren't part picked of for being prison guard material. No, they weren't. No. No, they're, they're drafted into service. It's tours of duty. Well, uh, that, that, could, that could be... You're I could, in the service that, and the... Yeah, you, you I, no, I mean, they were... Concept, they were yeah. Well, I'm going to say that concept alone does not necessarily bother me. But everything else about... I mean, the cosmetics of this episode it, it, it just made me cringe from the very, very first moment we landed on that bloody moon. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay... I'm 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 not opposed to watching cat-suited attractive women running around in in cat suits, uh, but at the same time, it doesn't really advance the plot in any meaningful way. Doesn't do way. anything for this particular story. It, yeah, it doesn't seem to have any reference on this story. The fact that they've got whips, which are frankly a stupid weapon. Yeah. Um, a ridiculous it, weapon. They have. They don't do anything except grab onto you. And I kept thinking, you know. Uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Uh, if if that had been James T. Kirk on the planet, he, they, they, they could have... It didn't matter how many people would throw whips, you know, or, or try to whip him. He would grab those whips and drag those women towards him, um, kiss the bejesus out of them, and then deck them. It's it certainly... Seems you know, but Koenig just Koenig, yeah. Koenig just stands there. Everybody who just everybody's there, they just stand there. Especially Koenig. I mean, okay, I understand you know, some of the men, you know, they they're conditioned, so they cower. But Koenig? I mean, ugh. are we supposed to get out of this that I mean it's it's sort of I say explicit, but I mean it's it's sort of there that that the warden, Alicia, is a sadist. Yeah, she's she's very much so it is the choice of weapons of her guards whips because she, she gets, gets her jollies of off of it. Yeah, she might. She might. But even then, they just it, it just felt too ridiculous that nobody has been able to overcome that. Yeah. And yeah. <clears throat> and, and again, it, it just it's just like, why are all the prisoners men? Mm -hmm. You know, this is this is clearly a prison that it doesn't make a lot of sense. In, in, no, yeah, you know, it doesn't. You know, and one of the things that really bothers me is okay. So we understand that uh, the the mother world, the home world, that's um, everybody's dead. So what is the support system that is provided uh, to this prison moon? Looks to me how like do, the how, moon is self sufficient. Well, that's sort. Well, but hey. It's got jungles and forests and, and and in fact it looks like quite a pleasant place, all things considered, that yes, obviously Alicia has got a, a she's got a problem. If people find out that she's been well, she's she's power she's, hungry she's at done. the same time. I mean, if she's, it ever comes out, she's done. No matter how well, we, she's we she's really much into power and control. She loves the position. She loves the authority. Uh, she even talks about how she just does not want to see her little um, empire, if you want to call it that, uh, be derailed in any sort of way by Koenig at all. Well, yeah, but I, again, I think I think you know the scenario that we saw at the end was what had to play out. Well, she had the, no the, choice at this whether point. Whether Koenig, whether Koenig ever came down or not, someday someone's going to figure out that the planet is deadly. And well, that, you know, and she's going to die. They're going to kill her. For here's what she's the thing done. that that really would have floored me. 
Uh, although in retrospect, I don't know how far you could have actually gone with this idea. But if people are dying right away, within moments of arriving back on the homeworld, and uh, according to Dr. Expendable, the bodies were perfectly preserved. Mm-hmm. So you'd think the moment you beamed you're, you transport it into uh, uh, into the tube back at uh, on the home planet that even before you exit, all you got to do is look through that screen and say, hey, why is everybody suddenly asleep? <laughs> uh-huh. And then maybe kind of you know, go back and say, you know, I think I might want to stay here. I don't like what I'm seeing down there. And if they had gone up. Well, so there's another question. Koenig and and Expendable, did they bring the disease with them? Apparently not. No. I mean, I, I, they're not typhoid Marys in any sort of way. Well, I mean, they, they physically opened their eagle and then clomped it down and then on the planet flew up to the other one and then opened the eagle again and let the air mm-hmm. out. So, I mean, right. if, it's, if it's airborne and, and live, they've, they've, killed the, they've killed the planet, too. Well, they don't even bother to explain why the people are dying right and why everybody's they don't they never ever cover that all the way to the very end i so you pose the one thing you know here's this perfectly great planet for humans for everybody on alpha to be able to colonize i mean everything is already there and you know what they could it's probably more advanced technologically speaking than what they've been dealing with on alpha anyway i mean it looks like the perfect place so there's that and they can help the people on the moon that was number two. You know, instead, what do we get? We see Koenig walk away, and I thought, oh, so Elysia, yeah, she's no saint, but Koenig, wow, what an SOB. Yeah. You're just going to walk right away and screw everybody on, the, on that uh, prison moon. How nice of you. I, yeah. I, I mean, you know, if, if the Alphans said, you know something, that planet, we can, ha- there's nobody on it, nobody to claim it. The people on the moon can't go there. If we go to that planet, we put our 298 people on this planet and we set up our own little colony and then we establish communication with the moon maybe our science and us on the ground we could even find a cure mm-hmm. and you and guys those... can come back to your planet too exactly there you can't know, be it's... enough of them to care that oh you know. heavens no there weren't that many on that prison moon anyway not from what we could see I mean it's just we just saw the one facility the grand and I'm, I'm just assuming that's all there is yeah just the one facility. And if that's it, I, I'm kind of certain that there's plenty of space, plenty of city for everybody to live quite happily on once you find a cure to that mysterious plague, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So, I mean, this could have been a win-win for both groups of people. But why would we do that for this show? Well, we wouldn't be able to continue barreling on. Um, maybe it was too far to the east. Did you catch that crack about in the eastern mm-hmm. quadrant? What is the Eastern Quadrant? I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. And I, mean, I really don't. That made that absolutely made no sense. And here's the next question. Well, while we're talking about that little opening monologue by Dr. Russell, who was not in this episode. Five days ago, we discovered two planets in our Eastern Quadrant. And John Koenig has gone off to investigate. Now, does that mean... this Was this happening during Dorzak? Well, what I'm thinking, what I'm questioning is, is how long does it... How long did it take to fly to that planet? Did it take five days to get to the point where Koenig was? Well, or, it seemed to. I mean, may, by the or the did they wait four days left, before Koenig left? I'm going to hazard a guess and say that he just got 
sick and tired of looking at Helena's frozen face and say, let's go on a ride. Um, so, I mean, yeah, he's, he's, he was probably an eagle for, you know, like five days. He's like, I got nothing better to do. I don't get the green sickness because I get to go on all the landing parties. <laughs> mm. um, yeah. So, you know, if it is a five-day journey, then there's no way the e- rescue eagle got to them. And, I, you know, I can understand why you wouldn't try to colonize the planet if it was, you know, a 10-day round trip and they're already... Because usually they zip by him in like two days. So, not to mention that, who would do the uh, who would do the evacuation since there was absolutely no one on Alpha from the rest of the cast. No, uh, we had one returning. Now we had guest. Three. That'd be Bill. We had Bill. We also had the doctor. The doctor that was sitting at the the console is the one that popped up in. Oh, was he in Dorzak? Oh, I didn't recognize him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the one that was in Dorzak. Uh. It was the guy who's replacing, you know, Bill Frazier, or not Bill Frazier, right. um, not Ben Vincent, uh, you know, whoever, yeah, Ben Vincent, whoever the, the, the replacement for Dr. Matthias doctor <laughs> yeah. was. And then, um, and then actually, I think the woman that went with Bill Frazier was actually one we've seen. Was she? Huh. Or, uh, you know, in, in some very minor scene. So mm. that was like really the the b the b team maybe even the c string t i'm gonna say that's the graveyard shift yeah and maybe the others got paid for having the flashbacks in koenig's mind probe oh oh we saw a picture of helena okay give her her we scale did. yeah she's she's, she's there's maya her. yeah oh yeah oh a metamorph a <laughs> metamorph yeah uh and i loved i loved how koenig was actually able to see inside her iris and watch her envision turning into an owl. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely what we might call um, stock footage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> reused, reused footage. Yeah, because that just goes to show how cheap this show has become. Well, this one definitely was filmed in the same block with Dorzak, which, as we recall, didn't even have a glimmer of John Koenig in it. No, not even a mention. Um, yeah, they mentioned... Was there John's, a mention yeah, of Koenig at the beginning? In John's I... off investigating some planets now. Oh, uh, well, that's it then. Okay, yeah, and that was it. We didn't even we didn't zoom in for a picture and say, "Yeah, I'm checking these planets out." Okay. <laughs> All right, well, thanks, don't John. get caught by any dominatrixes for crying out loud. Three hundred days difference between these stories, so not cr- physically. Yes, this occurred during Dorzak, the filming of Dorzak, but. Figuratively, for the but in case of story, chronologically, no. Yeah, for sa- sake of story, absolutely not. I think that would have been fantastic if it had, though. Oh, I think it would have been great. You know, although you know, you know the whole. Meanwhile, we've got to send a rescue eagle up for John while we're worrying about. Yeah, see, maybe I can. I can. <sighs> yeah, no. <laughs> now, 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 now. So let's see. So the mo- uh, the the most dangerous game. The hunt. The hunt. The the yet another remake of the the old novel or short story, the most dangerous game, the worst one ever, you know, in my opinion, mm-hmm. because just to recap, in case anybody out there does not did not was not forced to read the most dangerous game in their English class somewhere in in this course of uh, their education, um, it's a sh- pretty sure it's a short story. It's not a novel. <laughs> it's not novel. No, it's a short story. It's definitely a short story. Yeah. Um, guy strands on an island. On the island is the world's greatest hunter or self-proclaimed the greatest hunter. He 
has hunted everything. That's the whole thing for him is the hunt, the hunt, the hunt. And he's so good that he needs the ultimate thrill, which is to hunt humans, which is right. what he does. And so it's that hunter hunted thing. And it's been on you know, practically dozens and dozens of shows over the years where you get that character who's like, yeah, just the thrill of the hunt. I got to go for the I've seen it on Logan's Run. Mm-hmm. Incredible Hulk. Um, eh, not the $6 million man that I recall. Let's see. I saw it on Lost in Space. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lost in Space. I think we did. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen it in quite a few it's, shows. It's a recurring theme. But typically, the hunt in a ripoff of The Most Dangerous Game is the climactic battle between the, our hero and the bad guy. It is, it is through the hunt that the story is resolved. But in this episode, it is not. Not only do we only catch a little bit of one at the beginning, where we see the end of it, and we don't even understand what it is at that point. It could just be a prison break. I mean, once we find out it's a prison, you go, well, that guy was, that guy was an escaping prisoner. They were trying to catch him. Okay, fair enough. We don't, you know, don't know the game aspect of it. So... Then we're introduced to the warden, and as I say, it's kind of tipped off in her hand that she's actually a bit of a sadist. Mm -hmm. I think that the hunt, that they were supposed to believe that the hunt is not about, I'm just the world's greatest hunter, and I want to go out and catch these people. It's she likes hurting people and killing them for her amusement. That seems In her case, yes. That's what I'm getting. Yeah, in her case, yes. So then we send John Koenig out on one. And he utterly fails. I mean, he, he doesn't get away. He's not going to get away. And yes, he figures out a different solution. So he breaks the pattern of the most dangerous game by getting the homing device and going, oh, well, I need to, I need to go back. So I'll just, I'll just turn myself in. Well, yeah. Well, getting the homing device, I mean, that, I will say that was a good idea. It, it because was. That's, that's the only way he's obviously going to get in touch with Alpha. Um, but at that point, I think he didn't know that it couldn't get through the barrier when he found it though not initially no so that would but then why make the decision to go back to the prison because that's where the teleport is okay but there's another teleport and he knows that no 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 no. that was just the totem pole that you had to get to it's not very clear so in other words if they got to the pole then they'd be taken back to the prison and put in the teleport ah okay so it was that was the one and only teleport. And they mention it at the end when she's going to blow it up. And everyone's like, now you're not going to blow up our only teleport because then we couldn't go home. Right. Because they don't know that their their home is. So, yeah, I, you know, he he's got a plan. Get to the Eagle. Find a weapon. OK, for Koenig, that's not bad. I, you know, in, in a most dangerous game scenario, that's the right one. The weapons are messed up. He brings up the laser turrets. Don't worry, they've been neutralized. Great. Well, we wasted a little bit of time. Uh, then he yeah. goes. The, then we go for the homing beacon. Grabs the homing beacon, and he. I think he does. He turn it on right at that exact moment. I don't remember. He tests it. He tests it. Okay. Then he runs out, and he's grappling with one of the cat women, and um, I think he gets knocked, lodged loose or something. And he grabs it and turns it on again, and she laughs at him and says, "That won't get through our barrier." Okay. At that point. You know, he had still been fighting the fight, but he realizes I can't win and and he won't win. I mean, if he made it to the pole, they weren't going to let him go. 
Oh, hell no. Because he's not really playing the game. He's not really a prisoner. He's, I mean, he is a prisoner, but I mean, he's not really one of the, he's not really one of the prisoners in the, in the, the base that has that motivation to get to the pole. And they have no reason to, to honor that because this isn't an official hunt challenge. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yes, it's smart of Koenig and maybe it's smart of the writer to say, yep, you know, something Koenig's just put that in your little pocket. And head on back to the teleport, because that's your only hope is to teleport down to the planet, which is safe for you, not for them. It's fine, but it derails the whole most dangerous game scenario. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like you, you stole you stole part of it, but you, it's like you stole the shark attacks from Jaws, but then you solved the problem by getting in a plane and flying to the Amazon rainforest and finding some flowers. It, it You know, it, it just like, oh, uh, okay. That was that was a bit of a bit of a it, it's logical, but it's not very. Well, there's a lot of things that don't make a lot of sense in this episode, and that's one of them. Something else that just that completely bothered me is much of the warden's motivations. There, there's a great level of inconsistency. Uh, for example, when she sees Koenig, she initially wants him undamaged, mm. but then what does she do? Puts him in to get beat up. She exactly. She puts him into beat up, and then she sends. She goes in there, sends her guards in there. They scare the prisoners just so that she can rescue him. What? So that he'll feel grateful, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's pretty I, narrow, narrow vision of her. Because if she's got any clue and realizes that that he understands everything that's going on, then was that a was that a bit of a weird performance too? When she comes in and and she says something like, uh, you know, she's got her big grin on and hips swinging wide as she walks in, and uh, you know, she says something to the effect of, "We wouldn't want you to get hurt." And Coney gets a big old grin on his face. He's like, "That makes Dilma." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, is he flirting with her? Is that what that's supposed to be, or is he just dopey? Or, or? I think he's just dopey. Seriously, I I don't see him flirting like uh, in a Kirk like manner. I mean, for what it's worth, he is loyal to Helena. So the only reason I think he actually uh, later on takes mm-hmm. Lysia and you know, kisses her is because that's part of his getaway plan. But oh yeah, I but to actually sincerely flirt with her. No, I I don't think th- I don't think he's got it in him to do it. But at the same time, he didn't have any reason to insincerely flirt with her or whatever it was he was doing. I don't know what he just, was doing. To it be was honest, just an but... odd performance, almost like. Well, that's know. why I go with dopey. That's kind of you seem kind of happy there. Um, these are the people that stuck you in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess he doesn't know that. No. The other thing about Alicia that really bothered me right when we first meet her. Uh, we have, uh, I think it's Clegg, who is mm-hmm. making this impassioned speech about free speech, mm-hmm. freedom of speech. Uh, and she even goes on to say that she does not believe in censoring, that, that the idea of the freedom of speech, I mean, she, she really cares about that. It, it means a lot to her. It's, it's like the basis of her beliefs. However, this guy... Here, he's creating political unrest. Therefore, all political, uh, all freedom of speech is banned. I'm like, well, wow. I won't let you. I won't let you use f- uh, freedom of speech to cause problems. That was, I think, that was basically what her point was. But that's not what she said. It, well, it, it, it came off. It made her come off as ridiculously disingenuous. Oh yeah, she absolutely fun- was. Yeah, I mean, no, which I- just 
it it continues the uh, totally inconsistent pattern of everything that she is and what motivates her. Yeah, no, I, I didn't mean to imply that she was that was a logical conclusion. She was just that that was the justification that she gave. She said, I, I absolutely cherish freedom of speech. But this guy was using speech to make people do stuff. So I won't let you use your sacred right of freedom of speech to cause problems, which is, you know, dictator speak for we'll pretend like you have freedom of speech, but you mm. don't. You have what I let you have with regards to free speech. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, she, and I would have, well, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't. I'd take that back. I was going to say, I'd like to know more about this culture. Hmm. You know, um, were, were they a, were they at war? I don't know. You know, did, is that what caused this destruction? Was it some sort of planetary war amongst the people on the on the planet? Or I had read somewhere that that's what it was, but there's it, it maybe the there was that something I... that was actually filmed at one point that kind of covered that, but there was no indication in terms of dialogue, no, and or any, any kind of story exposition that would indicate that's what the situation was. And you've got a situation where the prisoners are political. Mm-hmm. They don't appear to be war criminals. They don't appear to be violent offenders. No, they're, they're just bucking the system. Prisons. So, yeah. So it's some sort of a repressive regime to some degree. But at the same time, Klieg's point about the freedom of speech is talking about, you know, how that's one of our one of our core values of our society. And, you know, it, it does feel like what you've got here is a you've got a either faux democracy or you've got one that has been usurped by a one or more tyrannical people who have used the trappings to to adjust it to their own uh, agenda which sounds i'm glad we don't have prisons on the moon right now (laughs) come to think of it um maybe that's the beginnings of Moonbase alpha wouldn't that be funny (laughs) <laughs> oh, I don't even want to consider that. They could have a moon for political prisoners, or a, a prison for political prisoners on the moon, which is, bear with me, frontier in space, Doctor Who. E- colony in space. No, no, no. no it's, it's the one with the Ogrons and the Master. Oh, you're right. You're right. That is frontier, frontier in space. Frontier that's space, right. Yeah. Colony in space, that, that's on another that's, planet. That's way out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's frontier in space, yes. So we have turned this into a Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, link between this and that so and yet that was so much better <laughs> yes it was and the guards were a mixture and the prisoners were a mixture of men and women i think too so it wasn't just a thing. let's see um what else do we have i don't know that i have anything there's nothing else. i mean we covered all of the nonsense and because this is a very empty episode i mean we've covered i think i think we've covered every single point yeah, I think we may have seen every... I mean, I'm looking at my notes right now, and it's like every single point that we... Oh, one thing that I thought was ridiculous. Oh, okay. This made me laugh. It's early on when uh, Koenig and Dr. Expendable are flying in the Eagle, and they're scanning the planet. And, oh, uh, as is the picture I think of that's the city? a city. <laughs> the picture of the city? Yeah, it was terrible. It's, it's a pattern. It's like, yeah, that, that is looks... like, is like Was that like a test pattern? Oh, yes, that's a city. By what standard of measurement does one conclude that that is a city? It was, and those things could be people. <laughs> those, little <laughs> dots, those little dots might be people. I don't know. And like, do you know how to work this equipment? <laughs> it's like, 
You should have sent somebody who knew how to work the equipment. I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll give you another one. Oh, but then one. you'd was, have nothing to do. I'll give you another one that was kind of weird. Um, when they took his clothes and gave him that other suit of clothes. Oh, yeah. Did you notice the scene where he was in the prison? And he's just kind of, yeah. I'm looking kind of fine I'm, in these I'm, clothes. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of, he's, uh, um, okay, how do I put this with, uh, without us getting a, an explicit tag on it? I mean, he's um, he's feeling himself up pretty nice. He's saying, mm, I'm I'm nice in this. Koenig, you look good in anything. <laughs> I wonder why they took my clothes. Oh. And then, and, and then later in the episode, when he finds his clothes burnt out, he gets that look like, oh, that's what they wanted him for. Surely he figured that out. You would have thought. You would have thought. And what sort of force field burns you down to your clothes? Um, Don't tell me the clothes aren't organic. The same kind of energy field that uh, comes from the same kind of technology that kills people but leaves vegetation and buildings standing i don't know <laughs> oh here's another one this is this is interesting interesting choice i'm stretching here but y- y- you do have to wonder about how when they're writing these stories um bill frazier seems to kind of be in command right and he gets a distress signal or he hears Koenig talk about crashing on the moon and he forgot who he tells somebody you're in command or whatever he does and he says i'm taking an eagle and i'm going i'm going out there and and i forget her name it's like ahib something something along those lines pops up and says be better if i went along with you okay and yeah and you you get this sort of like why did they do that from the story purposes i don't know why why did they need two people in that eagle no well and and why even presented in that particular fashion i mean why not have bill just turn around and say okay i could use a co-pilot will you come with me was that alan supposed to be alan and tony i don't know i have no idea you know because you i'm sure they didn't write the script this way i mean well okay yeah i'm sure they wrote the script this way (laughs) sorry let me rephrase Mm. that stupid statement i'm sure they wrote the script this way but i doubt they wrote the script for the b team Right. My guess is, is that they're probably they thought they were going to get a chance to film a scene or two with the crew to make it feel more natural and maybe even put Alan and or Tony in an eagle so that it looked a little because they weren't in it much. And and that's what they've been doing in the past. But in this one, it's just been so segmented that I'm guessing they were filming them on the same days on different sets. And so they just couldn't couldn't even cross over. And so they had to re. You know, just, okay, scratch Alan, put in Frazier, scratch Tony, put in Aheeb or, or Maya or whoever it happened to have been that was going along. And um, I don't know, but it just, it did have a, it did have a funny feel. It's like, wow, they're giving these people sort of a personality and they haven't got them because they're nobody. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I have no answer for that. None. Let's see. Uh. No, and that is it. I've got nothing else on this episode. Could be I the mean, shortest, we, we, shortest uh, ever that, could be. It might be, you know, but it's that's the fault of the episode in of itself. I mean, it is so void of anything substantial. Uh, even even the bad stuff is so awful that it you, you cover it in you know thirty seconds time in discussion. 
I mean, I mean, this this is tragically. I I think this might have to be the worst. 1990 episode I've seen yet you know and I know that I've been huh. saying that for like a couple of weeks now <laughs> you know but it's like man can they just wow the hits just keep on hitting <laughs> I, I I don't know I don't know I still think Seance Spectre is down in the bottom Seance Spectre is pretty poor but wow I mean this one is just painful I mean Seance Spectre was stupid but this one uh, we're hitting Naked Montague We've been I mean, saying it a lot. Out. Yeah, we have been, you know, and I, I, I know. It's just like how? Yeah, okay, I, I, okay. This is it. This is rock bottom. Oh, guess what? There are more layers. <laughs> well, we have two more rocks to bounce oh, the bottom Jesus, of our boat across before we hit the core. Um, and that is the immunity syndrome and, and the, the dorkons. dorkons, which is dorkons. Just, it's just like the greatest name ever for aliens. Dorkons. Dorkons. If I ever start a science fiction convention, it will be called the Dorkon because, <laughs> because I like that. It's like, and we're going to have doorknobs there too. Yeah. You're going to have the whole experience. It's going to be sci- It's going to be all science fiction doors, right? All the stupid, all the doors moronic that we've seen in science fiction movies and TV shows. Doors. My pet peeve throughout. Name practically any show, and I can show you a stupid door. Like right, battle. Uh, well, yeah, Battlestar Galactica's got stupid, stupid doors. Uh, Babylon 5's got stupid doors. It's like, what is wrong with a nice rectangular door? It's kind of the logical shape. You don't have to step over it. You don't have jutting things sticking in and out of it to, to make it interesting. It's like... Yeah, I, I, I never understood the scissor door that's in Babylon 5. You know, And I love that show, but that scissor door makes no sense. In fact, to me, that seems like an accident just waiting to happen. Well, there's that too. I mean, there's the, the fact that the way it slides is is not good, but it just, it's like, why does it have those... Those teeth? The teeth. Yeah, what is it, why, why does it have teeth? And, and why does any show have doors if you're not on a submarine? Okay, if you're on a submarine, all right, fine. But have doors that have a lip that you have to step over to walk through the door? Mm-hmm. Right. That is not ADA compliant. Just right off the bat. That, I mean, that's just that's an accident waiting to happen. In, yeah. You know. OK. So my door con will be uh, my, all my guests will be doors from science fiction shows. It'll be instead of costuming, we'll have people recreating doors and bringing them in. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm digging. So ideas. it'll be door play. It could. As opposed to cosplay. Yes. <laughs> Well, they say, they say we don't spend enough time on the door play. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> all right, <laughs> let's, let's just, let's just close the door on this conversation. Right. <laughs> and, uh, put the, put the key in the lock, turn it and throw the key away. <laughs> Never come back to it. All right, Ben, thank you for joining me for this oh fascinating conversation about devil god it was torture and listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol cheers fusion patrol is a lone locust production like us please consider becoming our sponsor at patreon.com slash fusion patrol we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on itunes Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. 
please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf.